Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Rhythms Podcast. My name is Spencer Lohman, and I am the pastor of vision and teaching at United City, a Jesus community and church in the heart of Greensboro, North Carolina. And our desire and passion for the Rhythms Podcast is straight out of Matthew 11. We love Eugene Peterson's translation of the words of Jesus where he says that we are to learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And that's our desire, that's our hope, that's our aim on this podcast, especially in the midst of the chaotic, turbulent time that we're living in in society. We really feel like that we are to anchor ourselves in the practices and rhythms that Jesus provides us as spaces for transformation, for presence, for formation, for renewal of the mind and the heart and the soul as the waves are just crashing all around us. But that is how we will stand firm in this time that we are living in. And today I'm excited because I'm going to talk about the rhythm and practice of repentance. Now some of you may not think of repentance as a classical spiritual discipline or practice or rhythm, but the fact of the matter is repentance is one of the core practices of the way of Jesus, and one of the distinguishing factors of the Christian journey uh, that makes it so unique and is so core to the proclamation that Jesus makes in the gospel account. So I just want to jump into a scripture to read to you guys as we unpack this idea of repentance as a practice for us in our journey. Matthew 4:17. Many of you have heard this before, but I want to read this very slowly and allow the words to meditate on your heart and your soul and your mind. Uh, I'm actually going to read a couple of verses prior to just give some context, but I'm really moving to Matthew 4:17. So I'm going to start in verse 12. It says, when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, as I mentioned a minute ago, many of us have heard this verse before. We've read Matthew over and over and over again, but one of the beautiful facts about reading the Bible as scripture is that we can read it over and over and over again, but it will illuminate itself in a manner that can transform us in a new and a fresh way. And I've been just so stuck on this idea of repentance, especially knowing that we are collectively sitting in the Lenten season. Right now, as this podcast is being recorded, we are sitting in the Lenten season, the 40-day period leading up to the... Easter weekend moment where we celebrate the crucifixion, the death, burial, resurrection of King Jesus. And um, Lent is a time of repentance. 
It is a time of recognizing our own humanity, our own depravity. Uh, it precedes Easter just as Advent precedes Christmas tide. And I just love that there are these two seasons put into the church calendar as a way of orienting ourselves around repentance. So if that doesn't speak to a practice and a rhythm, I'm really not sure what does. It's built into the liturgical calendar. But we see here in Matthew 4 the beginning of Jesus' ministry where he has come out of the wilderness, he's in the power of the Spirit, and he has began to preach the gospel of the kingdom of heaven coming near. And he starts by saying, repent. Now I find it fascinating because there are a few words before the statement of Jesus that Matthew makes in verse 17 where it says, from that time on, which in my mind signifies this was the core proclamation of Jesus. The core and central message of Jesus' teaching was repent. For the kingdom of heaven has come near. That was his core proclamation. Now, there's plenty of moments where Jesus is teaching in the synagogue. He's teaching along the banks of the Sea of Galilee. He's teaching on a mountainside. But here we see specifically Matthew use the word preach, which simply means to proclaim. And uh, I, I, I sense an emphatic exclamation point every time I hear the word preach. And if we're honest, the idea of repentance is not something that we get all excited about. We love talking about silence and solitude and Sabbath, at least some of us do. But the moment we mention repentance, something in us begins to bow itself up because the nature of repentance is to examine our direction in life and recognize that we are going in the wrong way. Repentance starts by first examining and looking intently into the mirror of our soul and our lifestyle and only to recognize that we are going in the wrong direction. A way that Jesus mentions in Luke 13, if we don't repent, will lead to perishing. So the idea of repentance is all throughout the scriptures, Old Testament, New Testament. And I think specifically of a passage in Ezekiel chapter 14, where Ezekiel the prophet, who's a major prophet, by the way, uh, not that he's any more important than other prophets, it's just a long prophetic word that he has given to the Israelites in Babylonian captivity, uh, where he says in Ezekiel 14, Therefore, say to the people of Israel, this is a word coming from the Lord, this is what the sovereign Lord says, Repent, exclamation point. Turn from your idols and renounce all your detestable practices. Ezekiel 14, there you go. Repent, turn from your idols and renounce your detestable practices. The Hebrew connotation of repentance is to return. It's to turn back. It can also mean restore. And the call of God to the Israelites is to come home. It's to return to me. And that's the nature of repentance. It is to return to a place of reconciled or right relationship with God and with others. The two main issues that the prophets are constantly poking at in the Old Testament are 
idolatry of worshiping other gods, idols, as well as injustice and how relations between individuals in the communities um, was not the way of flourishing, not the way of Yahweh. Um, And so they're constantly poking at those two things, and they're constantly calling the Israelites to repentance. God's using these prophets to call them to return to Yahweh, to turn from these idols and to renounce all these detestable practices, which even that language alone speaks to the fact that repentance is core to our rhythms. It's core to our practice of the way of Jesus. We must repent. We must return to God. We must turn back to God in his ways so that there might be reconciliation and restoration and total union or a reunion with God. Now, when we fast forward into the Greek, in Matthew's gospel account, we see this word metanoia. And it's all throughout the New Testament, occurs over and over again. In fact, Luke uses it in his gospel account nine times specifically. And then in the book of Revelation, John uses this word 12 times. So it's seen very consistently throughout the New Testament. It's not a one-off verse that we're pulling out of nowhere or out of thin air. It's a consistent theme in the New Testament, this theme of metanoia or repentance. Now, in the Greek, metanoia means to change one's mind. It means to change one's mind. As I mentioned, it starts by us examining our life And coming to the awareness that we are moving in the wrong direction. So we must change our mind. But it has an even greater implication. Repentance is an implication of the kingdom of heaven coming near. Repentance requires a life-altering reality beforehand. Repentance... The nature of metanoia in the Greek is that there is a change that takes place after a new reality has come forth. And so when we read repent for the kingdom of heaven is near, the word for is a conjunction. It's connecting repentance and the fact of the kingdom coming near. So because the kingdom of heaven has come near, we are then to repent. It is a movement towards what has already taken place. So many of us, we think of repentance as turning from, and we just read in Ezekiel, turn from your idols. And while that is so true, the nature of repentance isn't so much turning from something, but it's actually turning for something, or I would argue turning to someone, and that being the person of Jesus. You know, Many of us think of repentance as turning from bad to good. You know, we have these practices or rhythms or disciplines or behaviors or thoughts that are just bad. They're not in alignment with the way of Jesus. So we turn towards the good, turn towards the um, vision for life that God has laid out for humanity. And so we turn from our ways and we turn to his ways because his ways are higher. His ways are better. And so we turn towards those ways. But I would argue that Repentance isn't always turning from bad to good. Often, it's turning from good things to God. And what do I mean by that? 
And by the way, this idea is from a New Testament scholar, writer, pastor, thinker, brilliant mind, A.J. Swoboda, where he talks about repentance isn't just from bad to good, but from good to God. And there are plenty of believers, great people, wonderful people who are doing good things, but those good things can sometimes become idle things. They can be the God of our life. Um, and we have to often repent and go towards God and go towards the presence of the Lord. We can be doing really, really good things in life. We can be um, so wrapped up into the scriptures that they, the scriptures become God. And so sometimes we have to repent and turn to the God of the scriptures. Um, and, you know, sometimes we can be doing compassionate ministry. Um, but sometimes if we're not careful, the compassionate ministry becomes idle. So we turn from the compassionate ministry to the God of compassion or the God of mercy. Um, because, again, the nature of humanity and God is all rooted in intimacy and relationship. And repentance is as well. It's a call to return to union and to intimacy. You know, I think about children playing sports, especially football. You know, elementary age kid playing flag football for the very first time. And the kid gets the ball and he ends up running in the absolute wrong direction. He starts heading for the opponent's end zone versus his own. And the whole uh, fan base, all the parents, moms, dads, sisters, and brothers in the team are yelling, go the other way. You're going the wrong way. And the kid is just so fixated on the end zone that he's just running until he realizes, oh, no, I'm actually going the wrong way. And sometimes they don't even realize they're going in the wrong direction. But what I've noticed is that many of us, are alongside of brothers and sisters who are on Team Jesus. And the kingdom of heaven is one way, and the kingdom of darkness is the other way. And they take the ball and they begin to run towards the way of the kingdom of darkness. And we stand in the crowd silent. We don't say a word. Because we don't want to infringe upon their freedom or their agency. But we know the direction that they are heading will lead to perishing, as Jesus says in Luke 13. Is that the most loving thing to do? Is that the most compassionate thing to do? Absolutely not. Repentance requires community. Repentance requires family. It requires individuals around us to call us to change our mind and to turn towards the way of Jesus and to turn towards God. Repentance or metanoia is an implication of the kingdom of heaven coming near. It requires a life-altering reality beforehand. That is a fact and a reality. It doesn't require your knowledge or mine. It just is. The kingdom of heaven has come near and God is doing a restoration project in this world and he has invited you and I to repent, to turn and begin to move into the kingdom of heaven and invite others along the journey. That's why Matthew 6.33, just a couple chapters after Matthew 4, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God. That requires repentance. We're either seeking the kingdom of destruction or the kingdom of the self or the kingdom of the culture, or the kingdom of Babylon or empire, or we're seeking the kingdom of God. And so he says, seek first the kingdom of God, repent and go after the kingdom of heaven. 
We have to run towards the kingdom of heaven. A.W. Pink, the 19th century pastor, theologian, makes this statement. The Christian who has stopped repenting has stopped growing. You have to constantly be in a position of saying, you know what, my bad, I was wrong. And if we're honest, Americans in the West are some of the most narcissistic, we are some of the most narcissistic, arrogant individuals that the world has ever known. We have to be the first ones to say, my bad, I was wrong, and turn towards God. The primary response of the people of heaven, the followers of Jesus, is to say, my bad, I was wrong. I was going in the wrong direction. And do we not live in a society that fights to be right in every manner possible without often saying, my bad? Think about how hard it is for you and for I to say, I'm sorry, I apologize, or I was wrong, especially about the things of the kingdom and the things of God. I'll close with this quote from Pastor Tony Evans where he says, Repentance is the decision to change your mind in order to reverse your direction. Following the way of Jesus, discipleship to Jesus, apprenticeship to Jesus is direction-oriented. It is a journey that we are on. It is not a destination. But repentance is a decision that we make out of self-awareness because of the reality of who Jesus is and the kingdom that he has proclaimed where we change our mind in order to reverse our direction and move in the direction laid out by King and Master Jesus. I encourage you, friends, to look into your own life and to look at the areas where you need to repent and turn towards God and His ways. Examine the Scriptures. Examine the, King, the, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, to see what it looks like to live in the kingdom of heaven as a faithful and resilient follower of the way of Jesus. And repent, because if you do not repent, it will lead to perishing. And if you're listening to this and you have a friend who's a follower of Jesus or is going in a wrong direction, the most loving thing you can do is approach that friend in close proximity and in trust and to ask for consent, to be able to speak into their life and to say, do you know that the direction you are heading is leading into a place of darkness? I hope this resonates with you today, dear friends, and you would experience the fullness of life as we seek the way of Jesus together. Grace and peace to you.